This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Chris Novembrino, quick plug for other shows in the VOW family. Chris was a guest on this week's Music of the Mat with our friend Andrew Rich doing, I guess we'd call it Halloween adjacent episodes or uh, themes because this is like year four of spooky themes and they've, they're, they're, we're at the bottom of the barrel there, Chris. <laughs> yeah, I, I noticed that I didn't get Ministry of Darkness or anything like that. Yeah, we, we got... Relic, which, as I found out this week, it's actually killer spell backwards. <laughs> yes, that that bit goes wild. Um, yeah, I, 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 we went deep on that bit. I, I I went I went to places on that bit that I've never gone in some other bits. Very very true. Uh, we are both musical geeks. I will give a quick uh, rest in peace to one Spencer Davis, passed away at the age of eighty. Spencer Davis may not be. A household name for you guys, but he had a group, the Spencer Davis Group. It was a college band that uh, go around and play local parties, and uh, one day uh, he decided that uh, he'd bring along the brother of the bass player, a young 13-year-old by the name of Steve Winwood, to come in and play with them on Little gigs. Stevie Winwood. Little Stevie Winwood, member of the Spencer Davis Group. At 15, wrote their biggest hit, Gimme Some Lovin'. Other hits including "I'm a Man" and uh, and uh, "Searching," which I really like their cover of. But yeah, um, I, I have played "I'm a Man" live with groups like that. They, they are a, they're an important band. Uh, Spencer Davis group. Now, did you play the Spencer uh, Davis version or did you play the Chicago cover? We played the Spencer okay. Davis version. We, we yeah, we played the Spencer both Davis good. version. I, I love that song. Yeah, no, both are good. Yeah, I yeah, know it's it's the sound of Spencer Davis group is pretty cool. It's pretty bopping. Um, they've, they've got some real drive to them. I mean, and obviously just great organ playing throughout. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> we got this 13 year old. That sounds like Ray Charles. Should we bring him along? Sure. Yeah. Let's do that. Um, yeah. And, and longtime listeners of this show know I am, I am a Steve Winwood Mark. So yeah, sad news of that. Uh, Chris, we are going to answer some important questions this week. Like what is the place of musical theater in professional wrestling? I have been struggling with the place for musical theater and podcasting for years. And Jeff, let me just tell you a little something here as we get this show started. Music's important. Um, it can fill our hearts up with um, hope and, and sometimes speak to the, the sadness of the uh, human condition. And some people say that pretty much any comment is more thoughtful and meaningful if it's Hit with a bed of music. I think about that sometimes. Do you ever think about things like that, Jeff? Chris, this show was never more popular um, than when I was singing <laughs> entrance themes of various NXT talent, usually female. So that that is well, no, actually false. The show was never more popular than when we were doing 
XFL theme songs. <laughs> that too. So, like, like we're about to really kind of cut ourselves off at the knees here with the content of the rest of the show uh, because our most successful episodes have been musical. But, oh, hey, we're a podcast, not a wrestling well, show. I, I was saying, we're yeah, a podcast the, about the state of professional wrestling. You are, you are correct that our most popular episodes were the U- U- XFL ones. Uh, I was thinking uh, previous lifetime, previous host type of things yeah let's uh you had other hosts uh, some guy uh there's a connection in the news to him so we'll uh we'll bring him up possibly uh news this week the orange county department of health is asking strike team to look into 17 business locations in town where they believe covid19 might be spreading gee three of those are wwe taping sites the others are bars including the guilt nightclub where mlw just taped a whole bunch, some gyms and a church, as well as WWE events at Full Sail University at the Amway Arena and WWE events at the WWE Performance Center. Uh, yeah. Um. <laughs> it just seems very, very apparent that WWE has not been taking this situation particularly seriously and they've been able to get away with this in the state of florida which uh, has a reputation for being a little bit more lax on some of this stuff and uh, i i feel though that i don't know weird... I'm, I'm amazed that they haven't had a bigger problem on their hands today there's a weird thing with this because as as we've seen aew is letting fans in to watch things so i would think theirs would be a much bigger problem, but I don't think they're in Orange County because they're in Jacksonville. So I think this might just be a county thing. Yeah. Um, no, but I think both organizations uh, have been operating in a way that makes it very likely that they will be snake bit by not being appropriately risk averse. I, I still remember about a month ago, uh, my how things change in a month in the world of sports entertainment. Um, but a month ago, I remember Jericho on commentary, just eager as hell to get as many fans into the AEW venue as possible. It seems ill-advised. Yeah. And of course, Jericho went up to Sturgis to play that gig too. Well, I, but but the COVID numbers up in that part of the country are really low, right? Like, there's like not like an outbreak or a surge that's been linked back to the Sturgis biker rally. Yeah, I I'm I'm hesitant that you can do a good job when it's you know you have sure you have your lab techs in the parking lot you know shoving a Q-tip up up to your brain to swab it a bit and hoping it comes back in a half hour. No, I, I, I agree with you on this. I, I mean, this is, this is kind of the unfortunate truth with the nature of COVID-19 as we understand it, which is that you can be carrying the virus and not test positive for being a carrier for days. Um, and, and so that transmission is going to happen, and the only way to not have that transmission happen is to be risk-adverse with how much like contact inside of that six foot bubble we're doing how many shared services we're sharing and stuff because yeah dude even with the most rigorous testing protocol and everything like that I, it's still a bit of a roll of the dice the good testing protocol makes that roll of the dice favorable but it does not ensure 100 percent safety wwe was named by pr news as a winner of a corporate re- social responsibility award they were awarded for... Uh, was it for the Kofi Kingston push? 
quote, in the midst of a global pandemic and social unrest, corporate social responsibility has never been more important. It's become even clearer this year that it's not enough to simply tweet a message of support. Both internal and external stakeholders expect, if not encourage, companies to walk the walk and prove their statements in actions. No, this is a great point, Jeff. I I know you just want to make fun of this. You want to just kind of me? poke at the, this. No. Yeah, you, you want to say this company's not socially responsible. Here's the thing, Hawkins. Here's the thing. You're smug, and, and you got all these companies out here, and, and they're saying, ooh, Black Lives Matter. Ooh, we care about that. And then who's beating up Antifa? WWE. Who's actually willing to take some action? Skittles. <laughs> yeah, I, look, no one's going to meet the SpaghettiOs standard of actually caring about things in corporate responsibility. Chef but WWE's wearing an armband, I think. I think, you know. Yeah, yeah no, I, I mean, this is the thing. WWE has risen to the occasion time and again when it comes to social commentary, and I'm glad they're finally getting recognized. I love this company. You want an issues-based show. Shake them ropes is the one for you. Oh, goodness. Uh, some talent-related... I'm an issues guy, Hawkins. <laughs> I am so not, I guess. Um, Kyrie Satan will be providing Japanese commentary for Hell in a Cell. I'm kind of happy about that. It turns out she is oh, that's cool brand ambassador type thing. Uh, I miss her. <laughs> No, I, I miss her as well. Uh, I, my understanding from foreign commentary, as I have been told over the years here, because I, I don't have much of a sense of it, is that it's a little bit looser and it honestly can make a, a more enjoyable watch because like there's less oversight over to what people are saying. So they're just, you know, kind of doing their thing. WWE has finally gotten into 2017, maybe even earlier. Uh, Lillian Garcia's podcast will join their expanding podcast lineup on the wwe network i actually like this move that they're doing here doing daily podcasts kind of like how sports radio shows are doing simulcasts on espn and things like that the lineup it's not my cup it's, of tea it's weak no the, the lineup's pretty weak the only thing i'd watch would be the new day show i'm i might watch the alexa bliss show i, I find her I, I i find her charming in many ways, but you know, I just don't buy the uncool shtick. Yeah, I like. I, I just yeah. don't feel like this is a person, the, the former cheerleader and gymnast, yeah. who struggled with not fitting in to the point where they were like isolated. I, I think I brought this up when that show was announced. I, yeah, I, I have a hard time believing that the captain, of the cheerleader, you know, it's like the uh, <laughs> remember when nerd culture was com- becoming big and like every attractive woman who was trying to get a hosting gig put on glasses i used to read comic books as a kid and you're kind of like uh hold on there doesn't make you uh, an outcast. The, the, the phrase was oh I, i'm kind of a geek i'm kind of a geek yeah it's like hold on yeah i put time okay. in kids i know <laughs> I, I got marching band pictures of myself don't don't give me that crap lady um yeah but i like the idea i think the bump is better than people give it credit for too but at least the problem was like you'd have these for lack of a better term, bad podcast, like stone colds for a while. I mean, after, after about the first couple of weeks where he was telling harsh truths and they got rid of the first producer, it just became, well, I see on your Wikipedia here that you were, you know, became reading a guy's Wikipedia to him or stuff. And there was so much tight control 
with Vince. I just don't think Vince cares no, anymore. No, the live ones were really cool, though, right? Like, the, the live Stone Cold podcast, some of which I actually did the captioning on. Oh, those um, were fine. I just, were, those were I meant, a lot I meant, of fun. I meant the ones that you'd download. You'd have that. No, absolutely. Those you'd sucked. have the clean version on Tuesday and then the explicit versions on, on Thursday. And then the Thursday ones basically became his hunting buddy every week because nobody else would come on the show. Yeah, it, it, it yeah, it's, it, Vince has kind of lightened control of the reins in order to get more viewers. And if he can, that's fine. I'm not going to watch Sam Roberts podcast ever, but no, there's an audience, I guess, for it. I don't know. He does have that uh, radio show out in Los Angeles, and that does pretty decent Maybe he's in New right? York. Is he in New York? I oh, yeah. he's there a you New go. York guy. Even I know the coast. <laughs> I know major media markets. Yeah, I'm in one. I'm in Dallas. Uh, Fifth. Going to, I'll finish up the WWE side of stuff and then the AEW thing. Uh, it looks like Tino Sabatelli won Rob McCarron's favorite wrestler back in NXT. After after presumably leaking AEW spoilers like Eric Bischoff coming back. Uh, Tino's in his late 30s. I just don't see it happening. No, I, I, I mean, what would happening even mean at this point? Like tag team champion? Maybe, but I mean, they, every time they put him in a tag team program, it's become one of those uh, bickering tag team partner type things. Right. No, that's what I'm saying is, I, I, I mean, when we say happening it, with, a, with a guy like Tino Sabatelli, given the current direction of the company, you don't see him ever as the world champion. The percentage of that is 0.0. .0. It, might, it might be um, he just can't progress past the uh, level four O face test. You know, they spend six yeah. weeks doing the shock that somebody kicked out of my finisher face for the hard cam. Might be something like that. I don't know. Uh, uh, that's a tough one. Wrapping up NXT kind of news. Zia Lee, Jeff favorite, uh, will be doing a amateur kickboxing event on pay-per-view tomorrow. I thought she looked really good with the hair braided yeah, up I'm, this I'm week. Into this. I, I, I thought, I thought that was a, that was a big look. Um, like, and he, it just makes her look more like a, a shit kicker, man. Mm -hmm. She looked tough. Yeah, I liked, I liked it. it too. Uh, on the AEW side, Ray Phoenix was injured in his match against his brother on Wednesday. So Pentagon L zero will be taking his place versus Kenny Omega. The camp will be strong in that match. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm a huge Pentagon fan. Uh, and so it has been not the most fun year watching his work. Uh, ever since he has come to this company, I liked him a lot more in Lucha Underground. Um, and I, even though they mishandled him there, but like when they were using him right in the first couple of seasons, then you were, they were using him very well. Uh, now he's um, just playing the hits now. No, I, he's become a WWE cover band. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, he, he's the five moves of doom version of Pentagon. And like, you know, before it was a little rough around the edges and a little too dependent on the blood and guts, like kind of Ambrosey sort of stuff. But uh, I, I think that was a market improvement over what he's become now. Omega, are we talking about Omega now, or are we talking? Let's are hold we off. Let's we... hold off on that okay. for a second. Okay. Uh, we'll get through sure. these next two things, and then we'll get into Grapp's talk wherever it may take us. Uh, John Reynolds' scary moment in that four-way tag team match. Um, <sighs> knocked out cold. Appears to be okay though. Uh, yeah, I didn't realize he was out cold at first. 
until until it was like somebody was saying, "Man, he's selling for an awfully long time." I was like, "Yeah, somebody should stomp him to keep up the gimmick." But it turns out, nope, knocked out cold. May a culpa on my part. Yeah, and I just very questionable decisions by I've seen a lot of it laid at the doctor for AEW. That's fair. Um they may indeed have a mark doctor, but other people who are tasked with the responsibility of the wrestlers in the ring are the other wrestlers in the ring and even more importantly than them, the referee whose singular job is out there to, you know, create the presence in the the allure or the aura of, you know, a neutral proceeding. So it would make perfect sense for him to be keeping an eye on everyone and making sure no one's screwed up. And, you know, in WWE, if anything, they go and check in on you too often. Um, what the hell was happening here on AEW during this match? And in a division with very little depth, Abaddon was injured in her match with Tenara Conti uh, for the AEW Dark Tapings to appear next week. Uh, I have no further information. Oh, did Tay Conti end up joining Dark Order, or I, did they drop that storyline? Well, we're gonna get into that a little bit too, because it appears they've dropped a lot of these Dark Order stories. They've dropped a lot of stories in AEW, uh, and I want to kind of talk about that as a general purview about everything in there. Uh, you know, if you're killing a story, you're not dropping it. Let, let me just put it that way. I don't think they're. If killing. it's a really good story, you don't stop telling it midway through. True. So, <laughs> I guess WWE first. Yeah. Let's talk about sure. this Raw. This Raw was one of the worst Raws since the last worst Raw. I don't. Yeah. Know. No. Let's talk about this because you messaged me this week and you go all time bad Raw and I make the comment that was not a joke although it's often hard to tell when I'm writing quickly um, that there have literally been three of those in the last six weeks. That we have, we, you and I have, I, like, looking back through my logs, we have made this comment about this show about 50% of the time. Um, and I don't feel wrong about any of those choices. Um, like, there was a bad one in August. I know there's a bad one in September. There has been a bad one here this week in October. So, like, no, there, there have, uh, Raw is at just an absolute trough all times in terms of quality and SmackDown's right there behind it. Let's take a look at this body count on raw to see who's dead. The <laughs> Retro Antifa retribution dead. Not only do you have T bar, I believe it was T bar who submitted to Lashley's lock. Then the fiend comes in and single-handedly kills them all. And I like to call them socially unconscious in this situation. And, and look, I loved the Ali promo would have been great before you killed him because it's not going to bring him back to life. That's that's the big issue there. Matt Riddle, a guy makes a fist. A professional MMA fighter gets scared and runs back into the ring to get kicked in the head. And then a Styles clash. Dead. The women's division, the undercard. We had to have a four-way with <laughs> a tag match where one of the teams had been drafted to the other show. So the draft dead, the entire mid card women's division <laughs> gets out there and the champs win anyway. And Oh, by the way, Lana got put through another table. So that's five weeks in a row dead. <laughs> what are we doing here? 
Oh, well, you didn't even, you stopped before we got to the incredible musical act on this show. Oh. Uh, because what, what <laughs> sports entertainment has been needing more of, Jeff, I've been saying this, Lord knows you know it, uh, <laughs> is, is it needs more live musical performances. Um, a straight I, I, musical, oddly, hold on, a, I'm not, saying this deeply sarcastically here, that. let me finish the thought. A musical sure. performance by a heel played straight to plug an album that's actually coming out. Written in kayfabe. Written in kayfabe. If you listen to the lyrics, it is a kayfabe album written in the Elias character's voice. And we reignite the feud between him and the guy who wasn't really the drunk driver. No, and, and Jeff Hardy does the ultimate musician faux pas. I don't care if you don't like the band that's on the stage. You don't go on the stage and start playing in the band. That They do that shit in movies. That's not a cool thing to do in real life. Uh, and, and I get that it's like wrestling and all of that. But like it, it's it wasn't an endearing move. For Jeff Hardy to like hijack Elias's stupid set, play a couple of crappy metal riffs, and then hit him over the head with a guitar. Smackdown. <laughs> I don't know if this was good or bad. Mostly, I I liked parts of it. Whoa, 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 whoa! What about El Gran Gordo? Oh, that's right. The uh... <laughs> you, you just wanted to get off this show too. We I didn't did. Even get the I didn't have. Yet. Well, I yeah. also didn't have my list out quite frankly, but yes, El Gran Gordo, Otis, under a mask, again, why are we having the draft? No, you want to talk about dead here, the entire Lucha Libre division in this company, up to and including Rey Mysterio, a bit dead, because wearing a mask in this company is a joke. Mm-hmm. It's a th- it, it's the, I, I heal once and all, it's the thing that uh, a bank robber does, um, except like in this company, it kind of is. The great fat the the fat man the fat would, man. would also be yeah 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 the the big fat man i is it was the way i would translate and pretending it. to speak in a foreign tongue when he's given a ham gotta love that yeah, that's funny i just i'm <laughs> what else on rod that, that i should oh oh and then we get into the attempt to rebuild braun Strowman, which was very feeble yes who'd he beat he beat Keith Lee, so we kill Keith Lee in, in two minutes and Keith forty-three Lee seconds. Dead. No, 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 no. It gets stupider though, Jeff, oh, because at the end of the, the match balls. they start fighting. Got hit in the they, balls. They, well, they hit each other in the balls, but then like Keith Lee stands over him, and like then they, there's more ball hitting that happens. We had ball jokes on SmackDown. We had fisting jokes. We had pee jokes. Big dick jokes. Yes. I mean, what? what's not to Chris, love, I'm dude? So broken. It's I... called sports entertainment, Jeff. Like, you don't want wrestling. Wrestling is stupid. And you didn't want a wrestling alternative on AEW. You want more sports entertainment. Yes, and why not? Yes. This shit is great. <laughs> just, like, there's nowhere to go. There's nowhere for me to go. Oh, my goodness. Okay. No, there there is no oasis from this mindset. And it's it's pretty draining. Smack- um, the KO show with Daniel Bryan. Like, this would be an entertaining thing. For me, uh, I like Kevin Owens. I like Daniel Bryan. But this is written with absolutely no sense of inspiration whatsoever. Can, can I ask uh, something? Why is it every time they reintroduce Daniel Bryan, it's in this, you're good, 
but you're not special mode. It's always with the Kevin Owenses, the Sami Zayn's, and I like those it's guys. It's because they never, ever, ever, ever want to let him catch fire yes. again like he did in 2013. That's exactly That's your it. It, fe- it always feels like, hey, and then they put him in a multi-man tag match with a bunch of people who are going nowhere other than maybe the Street Profits. But to your point, it's it's like... um. An ugly thing that gets put on the wall at the office that's ugly, and you know it's ugly, but you tune it out. But one day, a couple few years down the line, you remember that, like, you don't like the fact that whatever that thing is on the wall stares you in the face every day. And Daniel Bryan and his, like, routine mid-card misusage is that, like, I don't remember it every day. But, like, every so often it kind of comes into stark relief that, like, they will never see... Brian Danielson the way I saw Brian Danielson as like a generational talent um I mean right now like right now they're making Orange Cassidy I see Orange Cassidy and he reminds me of what Brian Danielson looked like a decade ago when he had the shorter hair and everything like I I, every time I see Cassidy I think about the way they screwed up Danielson it pissed Law and Otis we (laughs) we had better comedy about Otis representing himself than WWE did, Chris. This was And that was like throwaway crap jokes on Shake the Ropes. Yes. This was every bad WWE comedy skit with a few memberberry references and ch- how Okay, we have witnesses to the money in the bank match including Rey Mysterio. How does Rey Mysterio not bring up he was thrown off of a building? That's a laugh line. That was so weird to me. That is a huge laugh line that you missed. The Asuka stuff? If Asuka had done gibberish and then brought in an important piece of evidence to, to help the case... That's I would have enjoyed her explaining like a videographic breakdown. Like she has videotape and she's trying to explain it. Like it's very obvious what's happening in the in the videotape. Yeah, no, like no, there there's ways to do the Oscar speaks in crazy language gimmick uh that would be less stupid. Don't get me if, wrong, if I popped so for bad. JBL being the judge of quote unquote wrestler court. I get the inside stuff. Teddy Long, I gotta go pee. Uh, you know, I have a briefcase full of money here. Now, look, the money sa- sound effect made me laugh, but it was such a hokey trope. And I just went, all of this, I mean, you could have had, if you're going to do the cheap joke at the end, it has to be set up with Otis giving some impassioned legal ease, you know, Citing it had to be before law. JBL made the rule. Yes. It had to be like, it's time for closing statements. And Otis gets up and goes, I'm looking at you in the eyes right now, Judge and Tucky. Thank you for being here. And this money in the big contract is so important to me. And then after he gets done doing whatever he's doing. I mean, a like, long, then he, passionate, yeah. citing, you know, what, citing actual Marbury cases. versus Madison opened up the possibility for judicial review. Yes. <laughs> Blah, 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 blah. Well, you know, Miz just gave me a million bucks. <laughs> I favor him. Boom. Out. Yeah, yeah. My, my, my closing statement here. And then, yeah. Yes. Like, but 
It should yeah. be the closing statement. That should be the closing it was statement. So, it, it, it was a dumb, lazy gimmick oh. that, like, was... I wanted this to be so much more. I did. I I just... I, I, I put too much faith. They just don't have any depth to Otis. Well, no, this, I, was, I mean, written, like, this was written for Vince to laugh as opposed yeah. to an actual good comedy sketch. And that's the difference. When you're writing for your... You know, there's a difference between popping the room and writing good comedy. And this was no, popping and, the and, room. and this is very. I would argue that a lot of the com. Mm-hmm. All right, Aunt Pam. There's gonna be a lot of this. Uh, I gotta kill my darlings this week, Chris, and I'm not feeling good about this. Well, can we do we do Lars and Shorty G next? Oh, let's yes. Let, let's hold off my my. Oh, God, Lars with the. <laughs> For, first Just for foremost, men. Bianca, Where is that sponsorship Bianca, again? Before we got get into that, real quickly, Bianca Belair and Zelina Vega had an all-time clunker of a match. Yeah. Like this was this was bad. This is this is actively very very <laughs> bad. Vega should not have be in this position against Bianca Belair because what you're trying to do right now is build up Bianca Belair as a stud athlete, and insofar as that was the mission. This song. We're getting 24 weeks of Zelina Vega and Billy Kay get killed by Bianca Belair. Uh, boy, I hope the matches get better then. Um, also, like, not for nothing, Bianca, there are a few times where Zelina's off her feet and under the care of Bianca Belair, and she's throwing Zelina around in not very safe-looking ways. Um, some of those... The, the one bump where Zelina was looking like she might be taking a dump over the ropes to the floor, uh, but it, and then like kind of just like kind of grabbed herself on the turnbuckle there. That looked dicey. All right. So, <laughs> Shorty G goes in against the newly quaffed beard of Lars Sullivan. Freak count 11 per Sean Ross app of Fightful. And then quits, <laughs> much like Austin Theory quit on Wednesday. I mean, what's important here to remember is that Shorty G, now Chad Gable, again, thank God, um, is undrafted right now. And so this was supposed to be some sort of proving grounds moment for him. And uh, what got proven to him is he's not good enough. Yes, he will get, he'll get a... Ceremonial win over some member of, <laughs> oh, wait, who, I was trying to think, who's the luchador who's on SmackDown now, and I think it's Callisto. So I, I figure he'll beat Callisto for a week, and then it's just back to losing again because he's small. Right? Yeah, We're not I, doing anything with this. The promo backstage where he's talking to Pierce, um, and, and he's like, they don't, you know, they don't respect short guys, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, but they don't. And he has a um, big, I, long something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. well, he has a long... Uh, well, um, we're going to get... Uh, the next part of this is he is going to get rebuilt now as a heel with a big, long record. Maybe we get an intersection with him and Kurt Angle. This is Crash Holly, isn't it? If there's any hope for Chad Gable whatsoever, it's that he gets himself aligned with Kurt Angle sooner rather than later. Um, We're both here for Gable being a short buzzsaw who just kills guys, but they don't do that in this company. 
And I don't, nope. I don't want people to get their hopes up here. I, I Look, he's going to be, there's something that's going to go on with this gimmick that's comedy related. This isn't, this isn't him born again hardcore, I don't think. Right? Yeah. I, I don't, I don't think, but it's kind of impossible to all, like fully know too with this company because, you know, they go one way and then they go another way. One thing that does seem for sure though is the Shorty G gimmick is dead. Um, and that's certainly a positive. Uh, like, it, I mean, the shorty. Well, it, it came very close to the how they rebranded Bailey with that promo. Because they were talking about the you can be anything you want to be if you try type thing. It feels like they may be going that direction and they may be doing a little bit of like they might rip off the Tim Thatcher vignettes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so here's an interesting... I don't think they're going... Little Jeff but, Jarrett as an MMA fighter. Gable and Thatcher paired together actually has some intrigue. I'd, I'd, so. would, I'd love that. And, and, and he did say he was quitting, so he might be going back down to NXT. Let's just put Thatcher, Gulak, and Gable together. Give them something to do. I'm into that. I mean, that, that would be my... If I were running a wrestling company, that's what i do. But we are running a sports entertainment brand, Chris. We review sports entertainment every yes. week. We don't watch wrestling no, shows. No, we don't watch wrestling shows. There's none of that here. Yeah, not here in America. All right, I've... I've Bailey, you get, go. Aunt Pam. Aunt Pam did not cut a great promo this week. That segment, the go-home for the Hell in a Cell, a match we have waited three years for, the hottest feud that could have been in WWE, a feud they held off on, which made it even more potent when they were going to break up. Came down to her dropping her belt when she tried to hit Sasha with a chair and getting choked into signing the contract. Oh, boy, that cross face looked like crap, too. I, yeah. I, <laughs> I, I in in their head when they were discussing this spot, they're like, "Yeah, and then I'm gonna have you mangled through the chair, and you're gonna be bent, you're gonna be all contorted, all where your face be like, Ugh, and then like in practice, it looked like that." If they are the plan for WrestleMania, this match shouldn't even be happening, in my opinion. Which is why when we get to our picks, I'm going to say what I think is going to happen here. But the buzz on this match, look, I am going to watch that special tomorrow on the network. I think it's going to be a great special if it's not kayfabe. The Chronicle on Bailey in this new heel role or whatever. I don't have high hopes. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be very in character. But we should be clamoring over this match, and I just don't feel it. I don't feel anything for any of these Hell in the Cell matches, except no, maybe... No, because Sasha's story... As her, as the protagonist, is utterly uninspiring. Yes. It, 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 there's nothing to like about it. Even if you want to just kind of really drape yourself in the kayfabe, the most you have to latch onto is, well, G. Bailey attacks Sasha. But that doesn't even get you to sympathetic baby face. That gets you to, like, I get why that person wants to hit them back. But, you know, like, you know. I get why Johnny punched Joey and Joey wants to punch Johnny. It doesn't make me like Joey. It doesn't feel like lifelong friends coming to a head. That's also true. Uh, there, This is very bloodless. Yes. Um. Yeah, like, it was very by the numbers. It doesn't feel like the co conflictedness would be there. 
you know, of lifelong friends fighting each other. It, Bailey doesn't have a disdain for Sasha yes. Banks that I think she needs to have. Bailey doesn't have the disdain. Sasha doesn't have the remorse because she's the good guy here. She should be a little bit. Yeah, Sasha's all too eager to be ruthless on this. Yes. Like, um, after she finishes weaving Bailey through a chair and making Bailey in the chair one, as she's walking out of the ring with her back turned to Bailey, we should see her looking a little distressed. I agree. Yeah, and, and there was a little bit of this in the contract signing at first, but they didn't follow up on it. So it, we we misread it, or I misread it. I thought there, I thought this was the path they were gonna go, but uh, no. Instead, it's a it's kind of a. I thought that promo was just poorly worded. Let's put it that way. That was just a bad promo, and and yeah. and, and then and then it's uh, why do you keep hitting yourself? Why do you keep hitting yourself? Here, sign this contract, and I'm just like, yeah. I thought there'd be something clever. You know, at, at least, it, I mean, it, look, at least it wasn't, I'll give you the belt back if you sign the contract, which it basically was, but. There, there I was, think, there you know, this, a better way of doing this, right, is sign the contract or I break your ankle or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, Sasha gets a limb or something in in the vice that is the chair and is basically forcing Bailey to sign the contract or lose her ankle with the implication being, um, this would be put over on commentary. Oh, if Sasha Banks breaks Bailey's ankle, then she'll be stripped of the title. Uh, like, so Bailey has to make this decision sort of out of a rational choice. Agreed. We'll get our picks in a second. I want to give a shout out to our sponsor, my bookie between the NFL college ball and, and the major league baseball playoffs world series going on right now. Chris, give me a score check real quick. There's no shortage of games to watch, and with thousands of lines available on all your favorite sports and events, you can turn your game day into payday with MyBookie. If you're the type of guy who likes to back the big favorites, consider putting a couple in a parlay for a much bigger payout. Not only do parlays make meaningless games exciting, but more importantly, they give you a chance to turn ordinary bets into a real moneymaker. I can I can confirm. And don't forget the underdogs. They have a ton of value. The thing about the NFL is that underdogs are never really dogs on Sunday. Every team truly has a chance to win, and you do too. Game spreads, championship futures, and player prop bets. It's never too late to get in on the action and start turning your sports knowledge into actual cash in your wallet. Sign up at MyBookie, and when you do, use our promo code ROPES to claim a deposit match dollar for dollar all the way up to 1000 bucks. It's a bonus designed to give you a little help and a head start on your winning season. That's promo code ROPES, R-O-P-E-S, for you to claim your bonus when you make your deposit. Stacked UFC cards, presidential prop bets, all the major sports and more. Sign up today to begin your winning season exclusively at MyBookie, and we thank them for their continued patronage for the next few months. Love those guys. All right, what's the score of the World Series game? Uh, it's 6-2. Yes. Okay, good. Yeah, I'm working on becoming a baseball organist. I, I that that <laughs> lick I'm going it's going to need some work though. I love those guys. They, they know a lot more tunes than you think. It's like, okay, play this. Cool. Um Yeah, so Sunday, Hell in a Cell. The <laughs> the lethal lockdown of <laughs> WWE, which uh I actually went to a TNA lockdown uh pay-per-view event live. I, it was good. Uh, it, it and they ran it in Fort Worth. It was like totally a bumpkin show. It was actually very good. Uh, I expect more filler to be added in. 
maybe some tag matches because right now I believe we only have uh, five ma- six matches or no five matches. I was correct. Somebody's actually updated the wiki. Three of those are Hell in a Cell, so I assume there will be some cooldown matches. Maybe you know. Maybe Lana versus Oscar. Her business is going to be up in here. Yeah, we'll have uh, Lana versus Nia Jax match, maybe. (laughs) Well, I mean, like, look. I got it, Chris. I got it. Between every match, Lana should be put through a table. It would be very funny if, like, Lana was, like, just murdered throughout the entire show. I'm with you. I'm here for that. And at the end of the night, she climbs on top of the cage and she drops an elbow off of somebody and becomes hardcore. I'm, yes. The Lana Born Again hardcore stuff. Let's do this. I think she should win the Hell in the Cell match between Bailey and Sasha. <laughs> Lana leaves as champion. That's hell. Otis, your money in the bank contract holder with Tucker taking on the Miz with John Morrison in a singles match for the money in the bank contract. Tucker's screwing Otis over. You think Tucker's screwing Otis? I think Mandy's screwing Otis. Nevertheless, Otis is getting screwed, right? Oh, yeah, no, 100%. I mean, Are you like, sure about this? Because there's part of me that thinks you could feed Otis to Roman Reigns. I, like, okay, so there's the other part of that, is I actually, seeing Tucker inserted here very much makes me have my doubts, and Tucker keeps saying things like, Otis is not that smart. Um, Like, they're clearly planting this seed about, like, Tucker tolerating Otis and Otis loving Tucker. Um, maybe more than toleration, but like, you know how like sometimes one person cares about the other person more, um, but like in order of magnitude, um, that's definitely the story they're doing here with Otis and Tucker. Um, but I think, I think he wins. Otis. I think, yeah, I think Otis wins. Okay. I will, uh, man, I've been thinking about it because the Miz is, the Miz is that guy who would get this contract, cash in at the end of the night, probably get RKO'd by Randy Orton before getting Claymore kicked by Drew McIntyre. And they'd think that they had made Drew McIntyre by doing that. Uh, but, you know, let's... They're on different brands right now. Right. I have right. said that he will give up this contract to go beyond Raw. Oh, it's just so hard because there's just so many. Why, why does he have to give up the contract to be on Raw? Because he's on a separate brand right now. Like he could, he could be the one I, to cash in. He could cash in against Drew McIntyre if he'd like. Yeah, he could cash in on Raw. Okay, but he's not he gonna win, win the belt. T- but he doesn't. If he loses, he doesn't get to stay on the show. I still think he should cash in for the twenty four seven title. He might. That, that is a distinct possibility, Chris. There's a distinct possibility that Otis, the big lovable galoot, is going to cash in on a lesser title. I, I still no, because to your point, um, while in a better booked company, there would be a lot of intrigue for heel Roman Reigns. Although this is against it's for it's baby. for the world title of your choice, I think. I think that's part of the right. Contract. All right, all right. So in a different company, there would be a lot of intrigue for heel Roman Reigns versus babyface, lovable underdog Tucker. Yes, Otis. But this company has chosen to portray Otis and Roman Reigns. They have the uh, they have the Cameron Grimes syndrome. I love Cameron Grimes. Uh, but, like, the, the Cameron Grimes syndrome, you got an okay flavor, and you've now, you, you, you do, like, 
I like curry a lot, but like, you know, like with curry, like a little bit of curry is fantastic, but like too much curry powder, like ruins anything. Um, like, like they, they've gone curry powder on Otis and they've gone curry powder on Roman Reigns with the tribal chief stuff too. So I don't know how much intrigue there really is for Otis versus Roman Reigns. I'm going to say Otis wins this. Probably through chicanery, which will make Miz even angrier. Uh, maybe Mandy comes down and actually saves the day. Yeah, and then uh, and then Otis gets killed by Roman eventually. I think that's going to be the move. Okay. Jeff Hardy taking on Elias in the only singles match that doesn't have a stipulation of any kind. I think Elias gets DQ'd for hitting Jeff Hardy with a guitar. Ooh, maybe this gets turned into a hardcore match. I don't think it does. I, I think this, I think we get the hardcore match at TLC next uh, in December, maybe or November. Whenever yeah, it yeah, right. No, we'll have like oh, an American no, band. Survivor series. We'll have like one. an American bandstand style oh, match yeah. or something like that. <laughs> yeah, one of those dumb things where guitars are hanging all over the ring, and you can pick. Yeah. Uh, so you got winning this. Uh not my self interest. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Uh, I'll, I'll say Elias. I, 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 no, I, Elias is standing at the end of this match, but he might lose it by DQ. Aunt Pam, Bailey, the champion, taking on Sasha Banks, Hell in a Cell, WWE SmackDown Women's Championship. Three years in the making. Can you hear the disappointment in my voice? This is going to be the Hell in a Cell with the screw job. This is going to be someone coming in and winning and winning this match for Bailey somehow, I think. And then they can move one of those away. I don't see this ending cleanly. I don't see. I mean. The, you could give the title to Sasha. That's the problem. You could. But you have the rookie on the come, so to speak, in, in, in Bianca Belair that you can always build a feud with Bailey with better than Sasha. I just, I, I could see Charlotte coming back here. I could see any motion of things. I can't see this being the blow off. Chris. Yeah. I, I don't think it should be. Um, I don't think it will be. I don't, so, I don't think it's going to be say I don't think Bailey wins. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be like Seth Rollins pulling out a giant hammer. 
and <laughs> hitting the fiend in the face with it. But I, no, I think we'll be getting that more in the main event. I think we'll be getting more shenanigans and stuff with Roman and Jey Uso. But this feels like non-finish, screw finish, something like that. But uh, it's not going to be conclusive. So I'm going to go with Bailey retains. Okay, I will too. Uh, Drew McIntyre taking on Randall K. Orton in a Hell in a Cell match for the WWE Championship. I think Randy's going home with the title. Yeah, I think I think he has to because like there has to be a title change between these three matches, and it's it seems like maybe it's time to put Drew in the chase of Randy, and Randy has like a short transitional title run on his march to getting to whatever number he needs to get to. What's he at, like 13? I think so. Yeah, like so he does need to get a few title reigns around here. So I'm going to go ahead and say, yeah, Randy wins the title, but I don't – Randy is like top champion or whatever. I don't think they're going to do it for a very long time. Is this? But they might do it, they might do it through to Rumble. Is this clean or chicanery? It's got to be chicanery, right? Ric like, Flair. Like he's got he, – <laughs> some, some, no, um, maybe his dad or something, Bullet Bob. I don't know. There's um, going to be so, so much crap in the Roman Reigns match that I just oh, – They need to have dude, one. Already, they need we, to have we one We didn't talk just, about the SmackDown seg. I was saving it from when we get to the Roman. Okay. And, but uh, so, uh, I'm going to say Randy wins. I'm I'm like icy on that one. I, this is just a feud that I, I can see Sasha winning, and then they just keep the belt on Drew. Right? Yeah, that's the other way. I could see Sasha wins the title, and then they keep it on Drew. In the fact, Randy I'm Orton going back. I'm going to say Sasha wins that title because they they're going to try and put a bow on the story. Sure. Okay. So then, um, yeah, the Randy Orton feud, in my opinion, has just it's lost a lot of steam. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it seems like the writers have lost interest in it. Uh, and they seem yeah. more interested in Bailey and Sasha than they do Drew and Randy, which is why we get these running in place week to weeks. I'm going to say Drew wins. You talked me into it. I will say that as well. And then finally, Roman Reigns with Paul Heyman taking on Jay Uso in an I quit Hell in a Cell. Can't wait to say new world champion Jay Uso. If Jay loses, he and Jimmy and all their entire family members are out of the tribe. <laughs> Unless Jimmy and Jay kneel in submission before Roman. Yes. And uh, that, that, that was the other part of that. Stip- the Usos are going to become Roman Reigns reluctant henchmen. Yeah. I think the tribe is going to happen. I think Usos are going to be the red shirts for Roman for a while. I think you're going to get a little bit of that Shawn Michaels working for JBL type of vibe type thing. But yes, Roman Reigns is going to make Jay say, I quit, probably by threatening Jimmy. That, that's that been my angle, is, is that like we're going to take advantage of Jimmy's injuries, and like that's how we're going to break Jay's spirit. But man, they have just made Jay Uso... So unsympathetic because not like he's like, not like you hate him, but it's like, you can see what's coming for Jay and Jay's a grown ass man. So you'd kind of expect him to be able to see this coming for himself as well. Be one thing if Roman was doing this to his cousins who were like 20 
He is doing this to his cousins who are in their mid thirties. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> I thought he had more. After oh that. He, no, Roman's gonna win. <laughs> I think Roman retains here, Jeff. Uh, yeah, no, I, I thought you had more on on your bit there. Um, no, no, I had not got nothing else. Yeah, so that's Hell in a Cell preview. Uh, I want to get off of WWE, but I, I feel the need to go quickly into something I liked in NXT. I don't want to go blow by blow. By oh no, 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 no! Well, yeah, let's talk a little bit about NXT because NXT was good. It was like the best show of the week. Yeah, I would agree. I love Johnny Gargano and that vignette. Yeah. I love him with the wheel and being frustrated, trying to plan a strategy by practicing with the wheel. That was oh, I'm gonna die. That's not great. Yeah. That's a great kid. Yeah, you know, no, like... uh, that was comedy done well. Yes. No. Um. I he gets a bad rap for not not having enough personality. I think Johnny has plenty of personality. I think Candice has plenty of personality. And, it totally works for me. And credit where due, they got out of the corner they painted themselves in with the Ridge Holland situation. Dude, inspired writing out of the Ridge Hollywood situation. Yes. Because they found a way to make all of this stuff make perfect sense. So, for those of you who didn't see this, um, Oni Lorkin and Danny Burch defeated Brizongo, the transitional champions, here to win the tag team champions. So, the belts are now on. Real guys, Burch and Lorkin, awesome. Cool. During the course of this match, Pat McAfee comes out from the bottom of the ring. He's wearing some like weird iron mask. It looked like, like a retribution reject costume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Only they forgot to cut out the eye holes. Yes. Uh, yeah, um, so he's wearing this mask and he comes out and runs interference on behalf of Birch and Lorkin. So they turn heel during the course of this. And then we see that it's Pat McAfee. He's back because he's still got unfinished business with Adam Cole. Um, and... It, they kind of wrote themselves into a corner on who's the babyface and who's the heel between Cole and McAfee. They're just two guys who hate each other um, was kind of the final storyline. And now that makes perfect sense as we come back around here. Who's got the money to pay off Rich Holland? Well, very successful radio show host guy, Pat McAfee. A man who has made a million dollars in seven different ventures. Right, and he said that up front, too. And now you're building up to potentially a very, very cool four-on-four match down the line between the Undisputed Era versus Birch, Lorcan, Ridge Holland, and Pat McAfee. Both of those teams can work. Oh, that's not 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 happening for a long, long time, Chris, because Ridge is is on the shelf for a long Uh, time. Oh, what's what's Ridge's injury? Uh, there's, There's some torn muscles in there. You know, sometimes you cut me off and it's a bit gets me, but uh, but in this case, that's probably useful. Yeah, I didn't want you. I didn't want you to go down that path. I I think there was like one dislocated knee, but on the other knee, I believe it was a torn ACL. I think. but man, you, okay, so like that might actually be like nine to ten months, so it might not it might not fit in timetable wise. But you could still bring in a fourth person if you want. Yeah. Um, and and then build to a four on four feud between the undisputed era and um the, the McAfee faction. They had the faction. they had to get out of the shifty looks of Bobby Fish and Roderick Strong, and so they did it by having each get beat up at a separate time, and us thinking it was staged. And it turns out it was all a red herring. Your word inspired was correct. It was, you know, what we say about WWE mysteries, it's usually the guy you think all along, or it's someone you totally, totally shouldn't be. This time it made sense because it was someone it should be. So, yes, that is a mystery done correct. Well done to the NXT team for doing that. 
really, really nice emergency rewrite. Um, really, really nice. Uh, Ember Moon's uh, slowly kind of going heel. We had like a little match against uh, Jesse Kamea where we saw more heelishness, uh, more uh, submission-y style. I don't think it's a heel Broad's... turn. I don't think it's a heel turn, though. You don't think... <laughs> really? I think it is. I think she's eventually going heel. I, I, I just don't think you work a submission style like that. I think it's just, you know, they, they like the alphas. And I think it's just an alpha okay. style. We got we got the we got a, yet another personality reboot for Jesse Camilla though, and I just like this poor girl has to be <laughs> six ways to confuse because it's obvious they see some athletic talent in her. They just can't fi- they can't find a gimmick that. Well, works they can't for ever her. settle in on a gimmick with Jesse Camilla. Yeah, uh, that that was actually kind of what I was going to get to. Um, so then we get Bronson Reed versus Austin Theory and. Look, Austin Theory's a guy. This is a guy who he's got a great look. Um, he's a good good talker. I like Bronson Reed. I think Bronson Reed is fine. Um, Bronson Reed's got a limited upside guy. Uh, you know, uh, in, and while I think he's got a place and like can you know certainly progress a little bit further from where he's at now to being a really nice transitional or not even transitional a really nice mid card champion. Austin Theory in theory, um, is a guy you can have higher and longer-term aspirations for. And so having uh, Bronson Reed just annihilate Austin Theory twice here, I, I thought it was a, a tremendous mistake. My hope is that Johnny Gargano is going to take Austin Theory under his wing. I thought when he quit, I thought we'd probably see him as a replacement for somebody in Retribution. I, or I thought he'd appear on Friday as Seth's new <laughs> protege. Because, Again? Well, because that would make sense. No, I, okay, so it would make sense to have him come out and attack Murphy. Yes, that's um, what And I try meant. to get back into Roll- and Rollins' good graces, too. Yeah, um, I, obviously, I, he could unite with Chad Gable, and they could be the quitters. Yeah, that's what <laughs> I wouldn't mind that team, to be honest with you. I think that'd be kind of a No, cool I'd be a team. good team, but until, until they're losing in two seconds to everyone who's not wearing a mask. I don't know if this means this is such a tough gimmick to do. It's such a tough gimmick to have a guy be a whiner and quit and come back and be strong. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm in. Especially when in, in the case of both Gable and theory, they're both doing it as heels losing and then coming back as heels. Yes. And it would be one thing to do the, Adversity sobered me, made me start seeing things clearly, made me realize that I needed a change of attitude and I need to apply myself more and that I've been trying to take shortcuts and things have got to change. But like with the ga- the Gable turn, it's like, I'm a freaking Olympian. Like, oh, well, where's that, all that Olympic stuff been? Um, and with theory, it's just, I mean, it's bravado. It's cockiness. And so I don't know how you get from there to something better than from there. Uh, in, in particular, too, because you've already got Cameron Grimes doing a better version of a lot of this stuff. If... He occupies a lot of that road. You know, I like Everrise. They're now at that point where the mechanics were when I really picked up on wanting them to succeed. I say we give Malcolm Bivens to them and we make something out of this team because I love these guys. I, I loved their celebration afterwards on uh, social media. Oh, that was hilarious. I don't care about the Drake Maverick, uh, Killian Dane team. I thought, you know, look, it, it was the expected. Oh, man, you really stood up for yourself. That was great. Whatever. Everrise is making them look like friggin' champions of the world. 
and that's who. Uh, but but to your point though, the Drake Maverick grabbing the chair and actually hitting them with the chair and getting like that was the most positive characterization of Maverick we've had in weeks. Yes. Um, and then of course he went back to the stupid dancey shit. Yes. After they, after they cleared the ring and lost the match, back to the whistling, dancing comedy sports entertainment stylings that we've come to love in NXT. Mm-hmm. But yes, put Malcolm Bivens with Everise, please. Now. Oh, yeah, no. It, I, and, and because the Everise guys are going to have that fun personality-driven interaction yes. with their manager. As opposed to being uh, the like, two like, growling Indian right. fellas. Kind of like, you know. like the way Cornette was able to do it at various points with the Midnights, where like th- they would actually... they. They wouldn't just be standing. Yes. Uh, yeah, especially once Stan Lane became part of the team. Yeah. Um, like, like they, they would be interacting and kind of, you know, goading Cornette on further. This, and is, more, be a this is more, though, Eaton and Condry, because those two guys are, are, you know, they're French Canadians. They got a good grasp of English, but probably not a great grasp. So Bivens could really be the main spokes guy, and they could bounce off of him. And that that wouldn't be that would. I think be they're better the, at English than you're giving them credit for. I think I think I'm wrong on that. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think I'm wrong on that. I'm just, I'm hedging my bets here. <laughs> um, and then we had a really cool segment. We've already kind of talked about Zaylee, so I don't want to revisit that. Uh, I, I hated unless... this segment. No, it was it was it was stupid because Lee just needs to murder someone, right? Like she at this point was she just needs to be like brutal. Chris, the story is about Zia Lee and she's in a match. With and then Casey Raquel Kanzar, Gonzalez, and then Raquel shows Gonzalez comes in yeah. and kills them all. I'm just like, oh, let's kill this entire division too for Raquel Gonzalez. I'm and I like Raquel Gonzalez. She was unnecessary. I mean, she's fine. She's fine. But like, this is completely pointless into building her up for this match against Rhea yes, Ripley. It's um, pointless, like, pointless. Unless Gonzalez is going to win against Ripley. Yes. Um, which I don't think, you know, which I think is a possibility. You hit it on the honest. head. It was pointless. There's no. It's pointless. The, the character development here is about Xylee and Casey. And, and you cannibalize the entire yes. undercard of the women's division in order to get over this um, top of the, not even uh, like an upper mid card women's division match here with Rhea Ripley, who's, you know, not the hottest she's ever been right now. Um, and Raquel Gonzalez. And like, you didn't need to do this to build up Raquel because if Raquel beats Rhea Ripley, it's more than beating up Casey Catanzaro, Zaylee, and Caden Carter all at the same time because Rhea Ripley's a former champion. Um, then we get to Cameron Grimes. Love Cameron Grimes. Hate this pairing with Dexter Loomis. I get that it makes sense. I get that it's the Halloween season and we want to have a Haunted House of Terror match with the creepy guy and Cameron Grimes is a perfect person to do scare stuff with. Um, I just, you know, like uh, Cameron Grimes is better than this. No opinion. Much, um, much like NXT we, UK, which we don't need to talk about. I don't want to. Then talk we about get that. into Timothy Thatcher. And I enjoyed this segment with Andrew. Um, I Andrew actually Green. A little bit yeah, of a throwback th- from uh, Evolve. I loved his gimmick. I thought that this was a really nice usage of the Thatch's Thatch Can School mm-hmm. segment. Porting it into something akin to a squash match. But... A squash match with a specific flavor. Um, and, like, it, it, just all of this stuff worked really, really well. Agreed. Um, yeah. I, I love this. I hope, I would love to see Green become part of, you know, that Thatcher gets, you know, the nice respect thing. He becomes part of the heel stable, you know, as opposed to just, you know, 
being the the upstart student that I think I think that's what they're gonna do with him. I think they're gonna turn him babyface against Thatcher, and I, I'd much rather have Thatcher have an army of killers. But that's interesting. I I don't know. I don't know if they've really settled in yet on either. what they want to do with the Thatcher's Thatch can school. Um, because I think you could go one way where he has essentially a faction. Um, four or five guys that you know, like uh, that that kind of like Imperium, I suppose. Uh, I don't know if he joins Imperium. Uh, it's just they've got different plans for him. Um, as we mentioned, Chad Gable just quit SmackDown. He would be a, a, an interesting pairing with Thatcher down there on NXT. Um, but but I like this segment a lot, and I thought what they. I can't believe I am saying this because if you had asked me six years ago, who's a guy? That, or, f- or four or five years ago when we were sitting um, at uh, eating barbecue and watching Thatcher in the ring. Who's a guy the WWE would just simply never understand how to utilize and would never make anything interesting of and would have been like a Duke the Drum- Dumpster Drawsy type of guy. Um, and-, and Thatcher is absolutely that person. Oh, my top two are Thatcher and Gulak. But in the case of Thatcher here, um, it- it- they have managed to not only tap into his oeuvre um they've actually been able to enhance it and actually build on the stuff that he was bringing to the ring and make him a more complete package it's it's been a very very generative marriage between thatcher and the company chris what (laughs) i don't know even know how to introduce this what role does musical theater have in professional wrestling what role does musical theater have in professional wrestling, Jeff? Why? It has every place in professional wrestling. Why is it playing a minor chord? This should be major. Like we need like a we, step one. If you're gonna write a musical number, you gotta start with a major chord, and then you've gotta go into your bassy voice and sing. We need more musical theater. I don't. I don't know where this is going. I think we, we got to talk about MJF though, right? Yeah. The people who do musical theater are very talented people. Musical theater as an art form is hit or miss. <laughs> my, 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 most of my nightmares about musical theater are, are you're doing a improv show and there's that one guy. If the, if the show's going bad, he starts to break out into song to turn it into a musical to get the cheap laugh, and everybody's just looking at each other going, we got to support this crap. I like some musicals. I think some musicals are very inspired. I think most of them stink, Chris. I think Stephen Sondheim is overrated. (laughs) I like some of Andrew Lloyd Webber. I think Les Mis is fantastic. I think there are some genre... uh, rebelling ones like avenue q and 25th annual putnam avenue county. q is great yeah a- avenue q is that that's a fun 25th one. annual putnam county spelling bee is a lot of fun the book of mormon is a hell that, of a night out yeah that's a fun show too yeah. but it's also turned into a lot of movie you know it's turned into a lot of ip with with you know with a weak storyline in there you know your jukebox musicals like margaritaville or escape from margaritaville or spider-man turn off the dark or disney movies on a live stage that basically just do the same soundtrack as the movie it can move you it can not move you i just I, I guess i don't really see a way that it intersects in a useful and generative way 
with professional wrestling for anything other than maybe let me let me opening segment on wrestlemania or summerslam if you had a four or five hour program and you want or yeah wrestlemania would be a good one and you wanted to bury a musical number in the course of the four or five hour show i completely get that but as the genesis um and sort of like an inflection point of a intense rivalry for your upper mid card of your program uh especially on your weekly television <coughs> i don't know that i get that yeah i uh i, I think you you hit the nail on oh i'm muted oh there we go yeah uh, i i think you hit the nail on the head i i don't want my upper card guys doing this I, I, I want lower card guys. I was going to transition into, for some reason, look, every television show that does musical episodes, they all come off as self-indulgent and as the will of the star. Even if the show is built around music, like Glee or High School Musical. I'm going to push back on you one one concrete example. The Buffy musical. I, w- I knew somebody was going to bring that, that once more with feeling. No, no. I, of course, I never watched Okay, that, the, the, at him. I am not a co-signatory <laughs> on that shit. That was, that was fully self-indulgent. That was, you know, Drew Carey got a lot into musicals towards the end of the run there. Okay, fine. I'll give you once more with feeling. I've never seen it, so I can't comment on it. But everybody always brings up, oh, the Buffy musical episode was great. I'm like, it wasn't even that good of a show. Um... I don't like science fiction, so, you know, at me all you want. Yeah. Please, I, just don't at me on this, because I don't want to have to play defense <laughs> on these these garbage takes. These crap house takes. This is my worst take ever, and I'm going to uh, dig yeah, yeah, into no, no, it, wait, baby. We haven't even gotten into Jericho versus MJF. Dancer. The Busby Berkeley stuff was fine. It, it's just, it's, it's become a TV trope, and I think that these AEW people are looking at television and going, what can we do tele- because it's a TV show. Wrestling is a TV show. MJF, I guess. You know who thinks like that, though? Vince thinks like that. Jericho well, thinks I, like I, that. I, I remember the Freddie Prince story. It's like etched in my brain yes. of like, you know, he's watching a movie or something on the airplane, and Vince goes, why would you do that when WWE has comedy, drama, all of the things? And I've heard AEW... Uh, compared to a buffet um, that that is not a wrestling program that's a sports entertainment buffet and I've, I've heard this term used like I'm not saying this pejoratively I've heard this term used by people defending the product um, to which I would point out to people that the food at a buffet generally sucks and there's a reason why they have to put a lot of it one after another it's because no particular dish is really worth eating if this was some kind of deconstruction of what WWE does and it had ended in like a bloody brawl, I would have accepted this. You know, when they do deconstructions, though, they're about as inspired as Law and Otis. Um, yeah. like, it's like, oh, stand to the side of the television with your back turned to the TV and then tr- look over your shoulder, just like those idiots in WWE. Got them. Um, like, it, it's, not, it's not like a deep, biting satire. Um, and then in the case of this, this was quite frankly like it's the self-indulgence problem and like with with jericho man if y'all don't see it with jericho at this point i can't actually spell it out any further um uh, you either see that jericho is high on his own farts or you think that this guy is just the funniest dude in the world and you wish he was your dad and there seems to be absolutely no middle ground 
I saw a lot of people really liked this. And a lot of people in the commentariat really liked this. I'm not going to go after those people. No, you know, here's the thing. I'm going to go. I'll say about that. Oh, go ahead. No, no, hold on. I got, let me get my shit in on my show. Sorry. Um, like, so with, with that, okay, it's fine to say that people are grumpuses who are just (laughs) purely nostalgic. Nobody ever says that about us, Chris. No. Just purely fetishes for nostalgia. Um, but what it gets back to is what was AEW, um, supposed to be when it was kind of launched, uh, when they were first doing all in and everything like that, the wrestling alternative versus what has it become? What are the expectations of the fans of AEW from AEW from week to week, um, versus their expectations um, and their criticisms of WWE from week to week? What made them stop watching WWE in the first place? Or why do they at least performatively say they don't watch WWE anymore? Um, and if the answer to that is because because this is a company that over the last decade has become obsessed, or not just the last decade, has become obsessed with sports entertainment um, and likes to say sports entertainment at every single point and likes to mock wrestling as even a term at any single point, then you might be someone who is clamoring for an alternative. And that's what AEW initially presented itself to be. And what we have seen it do over the last year here. Um, it, it really, MJF's really kind of a key indicator. Of this. MJF started off as a pure classic wrestling heel. Mm-hmm. He was a dick. Yes. He was a spoiled little boy. Yes. He was a jerk and, and he was privileged. He had a great body. He was actually talented. And that's the stuff you kind of didn't like about him. He's a good looking dude who's actually talented, but he's got all the money. He's got all that privilege and stuff to boot. So he's able to augment his natural gifts. And he knows he can augment his natural gifts with stuff that's essentially on the edge of cheating. What MJF has arced and trended towards over the last six to eight months here is comedy shtick. Um, epitomized perhaps best by the last gimmick he was in here, which is I'm running for president of AEW to be your champion. Um, to come out of that needing a serious, meaningful rebuild to be get back to being, you know, top level heel guy with the scarf and everything. He needs something serious, and instead now he's sucked into this gimmick where maybe he's trying to do an inside job on the inner circle. Ooh, boy, I can't wait to see how this pans out. And he's singing musical numbers with Chris Jericho. Um, if you don't see that that's a problem, uh, like if it, if it entertains you as you had a fun 90 minutes watching TV this week, great. That's fine. Um, WCW got into that mindset very heavily in the last three years of WCW. It's a dangerous mindset. Um, you need to be thinking about where is this all going? What is the thing that we're doing right now in service of and slash or what is the thing we're doing right now? Perhaps chopping the legs out from underneath on, on future projects. Um, and, and this really didn't rise to that occasion. Um, and, and fans who are mad at me or like who think that I just like want midnight express matches forever. I would just throw this out here. Um, I spent a good chunk of the last decade reviewing Lucha underground because I've been looking for an alternative to Vince McMahon's sports entertainment vision. I'm jonesing for it. I remain jonesing for it. This is not it. This is TNA Impact. Thank you. No, that's fine. The worst for me, in terms of judging it as a success or a failure, and you've seen this in political commentary, in a way, 
where there will be some hot button issue of the day and a reporter who doesn't want to go on record necessarily with their opinion will do something like, well, my four-year-old looked up at me and asked, <laughs> why, why do we need the Electoral College in the United States, Daddy, when we could have a, you know, that kind of analysis. Yeah, yeah, the out of the mouth of babes. Yeah, yes, it's, it's a way of supplanting your thought into your child. I showed this to my girlfriend or boyfriend who doesn't watch wrestling, and they said if there was more of this, that they would definitely watch. And That's um, what they do in the IWC. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, they'd love to watch more musical numbers. Yeah, okay, but like, I, yeah, here's the next part of let's this. Let's do like, Miss Saigon suppose, and just drop a helicopter on everybody. Suppose, yeah, suppose your boyfriend or girlfriend said that. Now I want you to actually, like, thought process out like what does a wrestling show anchored by musical numbers look like it looks like well one it's not a wrestling show at that point it's a sports entertainment show but like how do you do that and keep up energy for six months on that um and also like the goal here is to bring in new people new people to check out a wrestling show sports entertainment's like a term that we all know and we generally know it as like a joke like they when when normies when normies tune into the thing that is on your TV screen that's got the ropes and the men and the spandex they call it wrestling and they're looking for stuff that involves like big suplexes going through tables you know burly dudes yelling into a microphone and saying maybe like not quite okay things like that's what they're looking for um that's what they think wrestling is or Ric Flair type people going woo like. That's what they think wrestling is. They, want they don't badasses. think it's musical numbers. They want, yes. yes. Ric Flair didn't sing musical numbers, Jeff. He did light comedy in his promos, but he was a badass and could get away with it. He was a kind of a dandy at that thing. Your thing about MJF kind of leads into a bigger problem I have in that there's not a lot of character development that's been going on. We've dropped certain lines like... What is Cole Cabana doing in the Dark Order right now? They're kind of relying a little bit on being the elite for that. But... Oh, yeah, it, actually, on commentary this week, I think it was JR who basically kind of brought up, oh, we haven't really seen Cole Cabana do a bunch here the last few weeks. I'm like, oh, yeah, we haven't. That was a key storyline at one point. Other than Eddie, who has been fantastic on promos, who are my serious heels here? Because as much as I love... Fear the Revelation, FTR, whatever you want to call them. They have been an absolute disappointment on the mic and in tone because they look like they're playing bad guys out there. You're trying to get heat on them by them breaking the ankle of the guys who are going to be turning into the NWO, it looks like, in terms of smarmy heelness between the Young Bucks kicking announcers and... Kenny Omega doing his shtick. Yeah, no, like, let's talk about that part of this, too. So you're building up to this FTR versus Young Bucks match, and the go-home on this, this is, the, yeah, because the match is this weekend, right? Uh, or, no, it's it's November, yeah. it's in November. It's in, all right, it's the right, pay-per-view. Right, sorry. But, like, the big setup on this is an injury angle. But we've been building up Matt and Nick Jackson as heels, since the last pay-per-view, which is not a very good pay-per-view, by the way, um, like we've been building them up as heels. So when FTR breaks 
the super kicking Tony Schiavone ankle of Matt Jackson, why would I care? Exactly. Exactly. It, it's it's the and and it just leads me to think that all of this is going to be because they're going to be doing the two sweet Bullet Club kind of light. Like Kenny Omega to me is not going to be Ric Flair in terms of championship heft. He's going to be oh you don't say Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, with the comedy and stuff. And don't get me wrong, I loved his destruction of Sunny Kiss. I thought that no, was... but he's not about to go back to being the cleaner for real. Right. If anything, they're doing like a satirization yes. of when he was. Which this is the problem, man. You can't have everyone be in comedy, like uh, even in the sports entertainment formula. If you want to go, oh, it's a sports entertainment show. The, sports entertainment shows have never been this reliant on wacky zany in terms of ratio. And that's the weird thing here. And you had uh, Orange Cassie doing the old Bill Belichick on to Cincinnati gag, which nobody who doesn't watch football. Right. Yeah. No, I I knew that was a reference, but I didn't understand. Like, I, okay, here's what I liked about. Okay. Let me give you, let me give you context of it in case you don't know what it was or for the listeners who don't know it was. Oh, that'd be good. The new England Patriots lost a game. I, don't know who it was to. It might have been Jacksonville, as a matter of fact. But they lost the game, and when asked about it at the press conference, Bill Belichick, who is a, a known cranky ass in his press conferences because he just doesn't suffer fools and also doesn't want to give anybody any information, the only answer he gave after the loss is, we're on to Cincinnati. We're on to Cincinnati. And it's what, a way what, do you, of demonst- what do you think of the offense today? We're on to Cincinnati. That was the only, and that's what Orange Cassie did in this thing. And it's a way of illustrating exasperation while being terse. In the case of Orange Cassidy, he needs to be terse and show frustration and do it all with a limited vocabulary. So I get that. It was fine. But to your point, I knew it was a reference and did, I knew it was like a sports reference. Obviously, we're on to Cincinnati. Like, like it wouldn't make sense in any other context. But I didn't like it had been so, so long since I'd seen that. It's not etched in my brain like like, let's say, Allen Iverson talking about practice. Yeah. And that that's what. Yeah. <laughs> Although the one the one thing I really, really dug on this show, I loved I thought the Jungle Boy Wardlow match was everything it should have been. Oh, I liked that match. Um, so I know we've been really down on the skitlets. Yeah. Um, and I have no intention of kind of changing my tune on that. But no, Wardlow and Jungle Boy were were really great in this opening match here. Um, Eddie Kingston, to your point, I think Eddie Kingston is I, one. I'm so glad that like people are seeing in Eddie Kingston what I have seen in Eddie Kingston. Um, like now, um, that's really cool. But, uh, two, like, I, I love that, um, Kingston's essentially like a, a bigger, tougher version of John Moxley. Like, like he, he's a, maybe even a better promo than Moxley. Actually, he is a better promo than Moxley. Um, and he like the, the short co- tickets. And that's what I love about him. He's the one guy that I take seriously in terms of cutting a promo. And I think going back to your point, I think that's a feature and not a bug. I think they want, they want just the one serious angle to make you go, okay, that other stuff's fake, but this is real, but I think it's backfiring on them. No, it's, it's dragging down the main angle. Um, like, so 
When I think back about Lucha Underground and what I liked about Lucha Underground and where AEW is falling short, like the, the contrast that I do in my head is that Lucha Underground, this is definitely not, I'm, you can sit and pick nits with me about like where they get, got inconsistent. I'm aware of all of it. But like what they did well for seasons one, season two is yes, they had, they, they built a world. Things were consistent within that world, but that world was inconsistent with the world that we all live in, so different things can happen inside of that world. Whereas AEW, some stuff's serious, some stuff's comedy, some stuff has like spooky-ooky angles to it, um, other stuff is spooky-ooky, but it's actually kind of comedy, like the Dark Order, um, like, like it's... I, I mean, even the Dark Order is a good example. Dark Order started off as a serious thing, and now it's degenerated into a co- comedy thing. Um, like there is no consistency in this world. Um, and so when a a decent chunk of the show is driven by comedy stuff, it's hard to know what's comedy and what's jokey. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. I had... Yeah, I thought I thought you were going further on that. I'm- no, well, I got to give you a guy like Ricky Starks. Ricky Starks is really great. I love Ricky Starks. I think Ricky Starks is is, is a good level talent, a high level talent. Um, but like Ricky, one week is a serious guy. Um, you know, body Donna, which is not a word. That entire um, but- Taz crew is inconsistent. Right, right, and, and that inconsistency. What happens? To kind of coin a term for this is a lowest common denominator effect. And the lowest common denominator in sports entertainment, professional wrestling, whatever you want to call it, is funny. Um, everyone can do pratfalls in wrestling. They, they, they practice to do bumps and stuff. So they can always get back to funny. Um, but, you know, it's that line. Funny isn't money. Where does that come from? It's not like if you do one funny match, you'll never work again. You'll be destitute and in the poorhouse. It's that if a company runs funny stuff, it kind of exclusively, what you end up with like, like Chikara. And there's a reason why Chikara never got a national TV contract. Probably a few reasons. Probably a few reasons, because I thought they'd be perfect uh, on Well, Nickelodeon. now even more. Yeah, you get what I'm saying, though. Like, yes. it, AEW, WWE, these are shows that want to keep like a TV contract. Um, And I think they'd be putting that in peril if everything was, you know, pee jokes every week. Yeah. Lord knows Vince wants to test that. You know, men who watch wrestling want to watch ass kickers talk trash children who want to watch wrestling want to laugh and clap at the funny characters i i think i that's just my opinion i and i think the intersection there between the older audience and the younger audience is that i remember being a young kid gawking at all these strange people on the screen like these people who seemed like they were from you know um not just like distant lands in other countries but like you know distant places like you know (laughs) Glacier, where is he from? Well, see, that's interesting. Uh, No, because I want to go into a little bit about this because it's a generational thing. Like, for me, watching these burly men talking about making guys bleed and breaking arms and stuff like that, to me, it felt like I was watching, and I really was, I was watching something I shouldn't be watching. You know, there's that element of danger type thing. Whereas you come in in the Attitude Era, and it's, you know, it's, you know, it's it's spectacular stunts and guys in flashy costumes and gimmicks and stuff. So yeah, I mean, shit. It's it's Kevin Sullivan as the Taskmaster, like the evil Hulk Hogan gimmick, and, and the Dungeon of Doom and stuff. I mean, Jimmy Hart, 
Like, these people who, like, you know, I I remember I'd go like, what does Jimmy Hart's closet look like Um, as a kid? Uh, Like, that's that's the sort of stuff that, like, I I don't know. I think good wrestling sort of, it kind of makes you, it whisks you away a little bit. Um, But I'm with you, too. Like, I also liked, uh, I mean, I like the element of danger. The other thing I liked about wrestling, um, and I think as a kid or as an adult, um, this is the thing that people like, is it's a... At its best, a wrestling program feels like a, a place where anything can happen. Or, like, not anything. Like, not like it's going like to be a musical? Like, <laughs> not a musical. Not a friggin' musical. But, like, you know, like, I don't know, some crazy boxer might show up and just start, like, knocking out everyone in the main event. Like, that, 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 in wrestling, that can happen. What's the worst musical you've ever seen? Um,. Dude. And I don't mean like a middle school production of a good musical. I, I just mean like one where you go, this story is just stupid. <laughs> Why am I watching this? I don't think Tommy is that good of a story. I think as a rock opera, it's pretty good. I think as a Broadway show, it, it lacks quite a yeah. bit. Yeah, no, I, I don't think it's a very good story. Oh, um, I'll, I, tell you, I'll tell you the one I, I was thinking of was because uh, I was dragging Sondheim. Assassins. Is such a terrible musical. It's it's basically musical vignettes about people who tried to kill presidents. As a musical. <laughs> God, who who couldn't get into the deeply sympathetic story of James A. Garfield's assassin? Yeah, I tried to get a government job and you said no, so I went to the train station and killed you. You know, Squeaky Fromm isn't exactly a, <laughs> a sympathetic character. All right, I'm done complaining. I, 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 I'm just hoping for a better week. I, I'm probably not going to watch this pay-per-view live because I don't have a podcast to do afterwards. But if you do, tell me what you thought of it. Tell me what I should watch. Chris, plug your stuff. Uh, yeah, so my other show is called Don't Worry About the Government. You can find it over at don'tworry.tv uh, on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Spotify, um, all, all of those fine places. And you can find uh, my shows Twitter at DWATG. Um, I, I guess, you know, we, we have a Patreon. We, we just don't do it very often. Um, but uh, you can go to patreon.com slash shake them ropes. Um, check us out over there. And uh, yeah. That, that's oh, the Oz TV show had a musical episode. That one was god awful. Oh, uh, oh, this I forgot that they the, made an Oz spinoff. No, it wasn't a spinoff. Oh, no, it was oh a, no, you're talking about you're talking about oh Oz the prison show. The prison show had. Oh a, my god, they made a musical in the show. Oh, la, in the last season, they had a musical one, and it's weird and campy, and it's just kind of like you're watching it, and you're watching like J.K. Simmons do certain. Yeah, it 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 was it didn't work. It was it, it was ambitious at the time, but you're just watch. I watched it now, and it's like cringe. Anyways, you can follow me at Crab Game Thirteen. You can follow him at Chris Novembrino. You can just follow the show at Shake Them Ropes. We'll try and do better next week. Thanks once again to my bookie. Use code Ropes. Double your first deposit. Chris, I'll give you the last word. I don't need to do better. They need to do better. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. 
that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.